Hey, and welcome to the 12 Stone Church Podcast. Thank you so much for taking time to be a part of today's message. We hope it inspires you, encourages you, and deepens your faith in Jesus. Enjoy the message. That is just super cool, right on top of the Centro Campus building. Come, let us adore him. Grab your invitations, will you, across the campuses, wherever you are right now. Just put one, if you have it, right in front of you for our Christmas Eve gathering. Not so long ago, in fact, this past month, Marcia and I had lunch uh, with a couple of 12 stoners, and it was interesting. Over lunch, they just kind of came out and said, man, I just want to say thanks in this season to God, to 12 stone. And, and, and the whole thing led to thanks for what? What they said next just captivated me. They said, for the invitation. I said, the what? Somebody invited us. Several years ago for them, somebody invited us, and literally we had no idea, but that invitation was the open door to have our lives and our family transformed. We literally owe all gratitude to God, but it came from an invitation. And it just, it, the moment captured me. I thought, you know what? This is, this is not a piece of paper. Christmas Eve is not an event. This is a moment for God to transform someone. So would you bow your heads before we jump into the teaching? Heavenly Father, I want to pray over every one of us who have that person, that group, that family, several of them, no doubt. And I pray, God, you would open doors as we pray for them even now co-workers, neighbors, friends, family, and, and God, this, this isn't just an invitation. Would you open the door for us to just hand it along or snap a picture of it and send it as a text and say, man, if you have no place to go uh, Christmas Eve, come hang out with us. And God, we pray in advance that you would transform their lives and their families. In Jesus' name, and everyone agreed saying, amen. Well, let's jump in. I want to stir something right off the top, because perhaps the most overlooked uh, scripture verse on Christmas is Luke chapter 1, verse 37. Check it out. See, the angel of the Lord came to Mary and said, You're, you will be, you've been chosen to be the mother of Jesus. And then the angel said, for no word from God will ever fail. For no word. Let's see, whatever God says, whatever God makes important, whatever God establishes his wisdom, whatever God puts at the top of the list, whatever God says, his, that's his word, it'll never fail. So trust it. We'll come back to that. Let's jump in. Pastor Jason last week uh, laid out the, the Christmas 23 series with your perspective. Remember this? Your perspective shapes where you see hope. Your perspective shapes where you see hope, especially at Christmas. And then he gave us a, a couple of images on the screen. He gave us this idea that it, it, it creates your glasses, if you will. And, and your glasses are either through the world you see the manger, Christmas, like, like your perspective shapes it. And, and you, you tend to, if you see through the world's view and, and postmodern and the like, you're like, ah, that, yeah, that, there's not a lot of hope in that. Or God changes your glasses. He reshapes your perspective. And now the manger, Jesus, transforms how you see the world, where you see hope, and how you engage the world. And so Jason taught last week and launched on hope in current events. By the way, if you missed that teaching, go back and get it. It was profoundly done. Well done, Jason. And then he asked me this week, 
Would, would you address something? Would you talk about what's the hope of family? We'll just flash it up there. What's the hope of family? PK, you come from, as he said, you come from such a broken place and broken family and, you know, in the midst of all the divorce and all the baggage and not a lot of hope to, to just be emotionally stable and relationally solid and spiritually grounded and career capable. It just, it, it, you came from a, a mess, not a lot of hope in your future, a lot of hopelessness. And you brought that into a relationship with Marsha where thank God she came from a more healthy family. But God formed something in your family. And while nobody has a perfect family, you have four kids and you have a couple of married and grandkids. Here's the picture. Here's the family picture that Marsha had to take during Thanksgiving because we tell, how many of you absolutely don't love the journey of taking family pictures? I don't. Just how many of you just get, yeah, I, I hate the whole, I, I I guess the whole get the right clothes, get the right, and it never really works. See, you only show the good picture, right? You only show this. You don't show the, the real pictures. What it really looked like is, is, is more like a, a couple of these. It just, it doesn't, you know what I mean? It, it doesn't work. Yeah, it just, and then Marsha has a great one. This, so I thought I'd flash that. We want family to work, and we only show the good pictures, but the reality is life is lived in the outtakes. You, you got to make life work under all that pressure. So Jason said, talk to us. Where did you find hope? When you come out of a place where you got that much baggage, how does God's glasses reshape your perspective? How do you build family? Since most people really have never been trained how to build a family. Oh, and make it practical. And I'm like, okay, got an assignment. Now, Marsha and I don't pretend to have all the answers, have it all together. We have an imperfect family. Everybody does. But man, was God kind. God is so gracious that whatever baggage you come from, he can heal. And God not only heals, but God leads. So let's get in this. What's the hope for family. And I want to give you the answer right off the top and then help you see how this applies to everyone, wherever you are in life, middle school, high school, single. If you're not married, you don't plan to get married or you do, listen in. If you're building family right now, you're young or, or you're in the stages of, of, of teens with kids or, or emptiness, I'm telling you where God's going to take this helps us all. And I want to give you the answer right off the top. So here's the answer. Where do you find hope? How do you find hope in family? Pick what's important and put rituals to values. I want everyone across campuses, wherever you are listening in, online, Tulsone home, everybody read the answer with me. Are you ready? Loud and proud. And right here, do it so everybody can hear you so we're together. What's the answer? Pick what's important and put rituals to values. That's where we're going to go. Now listen, this next question, this first formative thought, is the top one or two things that every middle schooler, high schooler, college student, or 20-something has to resolve and answer all the time, all the time, all the time. If you're single, listen in, because you're navigating this, and this lead question and how you manage it in your life is the top one to two things you do and will ever do in your life. You need to know how you navigate this because it's the top one or two things if you're nav doing business, whether it's a mom and pop business or whether it's a multi-billion dollar business. 
How you navigate this key lead question and how you answer it is really going to define the quality of your soul, faith, life, your health, your marriage, your family, your career, your finances. I'm building it up. Is it really that big? Oh, it really is. Because here's the lead question. What's important? See, the question you got to always answer every day is what's important? Now, this may be elementary, but do not confuse it. This is foundation. You never build stronger or bigger than the foundation is capable of handling. And at the foundation of life and family is answering the question, let's put it up there, what's important? One of the most important things you do every hour of your life is decide what's important. Because what's important, listen, is what gets your attention. Whatever you choose in any moment as important, it's what gets your attention. It gets your focus. It gets you. Regardless of what's going on in the world, it gets all your attention. And when you are distracted, Listen, when you get distracted from what's most important to lesser things, you create wrecks in your life. So I thought I would give us a, a moment of a visual. So I want to show you something that happened on the expressway in South Georgia. Now, there's, there's southbound, just set it up. There's southbound where there's an accident and there's difficulties and there's officers and there's wreckers and there's fire engine and all this on the left side. On, on the northbound, there's a wrecker that's waiting to load up cars and the like. And on this northbound, a car just goes around and passes and another car does not. And the car that does not was apparently distracted. And you got to see the moment of the wreck. Now, I can't show you this unless you know that the person survived. There were injuries, but the person survived. But I want you to see what happens when you get distracted. Check it out. Everybody in the count of three say, ow! One, two, three, ow! I mean, I don't know what the reaction is. A horror. Are you kidding me? I mean, obvi obviously, this person got a little bit distracted. And it's horrifying. Thank God the person survived. But we all know that we say, keep your eye on the road. Don't we say this? Don't get distracted. Don't be looking at your phone. Don't be watching this stuff happening around your car. Don't we tell when you teach your kids to drive, when we grow up all the time, like, get your eyes in front of you and keep your eyes on the things that are important. Do not get distracted. Because if you do, you wreck. So I was so intrigued by this because somebody sent it to me. 
Then I snapped a picture of a moment, just a snapshot. Just check it out. I want you to see this because it actually, it made me think of what we're talking about. Check this out. Watch on the road. One car passes. One car is paying attention, knows what's important, gets in the right lane, passes comfortably, safe. They're doing great. They continue on the road. The other car, same road, same distractions, gets distracted, doesn't see what's important, and launches Dukes of Hazard like real deal. And those are two different families. Some families in the same world, same distractions, same pressures, see what's important, and they do just fine. And others do the Dukes of Hazard and crash. And as a rule, it's shaped entirely by the glasses you're wearing and your perspective because you're picking what's important. My family growing up, we took the Dukes of Hazard route. <laughs> My parents lived in a culture that said, indulge yourself rather than discipline yourself. So sex in high school, no big deal, got pregnant. It is a big deal. Because that's putting you in that left lane, heading toward the wrecker. I'll just drop out of high school, who cares? Have fun, indulge yourself. No plan, no career, no future. Get married at 17, three kids by 20, I'm the third. Listen, this is predictable. You know, unless God intervenes, that's going to be a crash. Not trained in building a family. Don't know how to pick what's most important. You can see it coming. The art of picking what's important shapes your future. And as a rule, what you pick is important every minute, every hour, every week, every day, any month, every year and decade shapes where your life goes. So let's have a conversation tapping into Christmas because this is actually the setup in the entire Christmas story. And if you've never seen it, the whole Christmas story has this cues and clues woven around what's important. Let's just run through the characters of Christmas. Mary. Mary has a plan. She has what's important to her. She's going to get married to Joseph. This is going to be awesome. And then the angel comes to her and he says... You've been chosen. And then he reinforces where we already kind of have been for no word from God will ever fail. So now what is she going to do? What do you do when God speaks? What do you do when God resets what's important? Because God speaks from in the Bible from Genesis to Revelation. And he tells us what's important in life. This is more important than that. And all of that is God's word. And he gives wisdom and insight and understanding. So what do you do? What is Mary going to do? And here's her response. And you know this if you're familiar with the Christmas story. I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May your word be to me, or may your word to me be fulfilled. Like, I'm going to adjust what's important to me to what's important to you. I'll adjust my life to what's important to God. Her hope for the future, her hope for her family was based on what God said was important. 
it took priority. Joseph. Joseph has plans, and he's going to marry Mary, and this is going to be awesome. And then he finds out she's pregnant, and he finds out, oh, my goodness, this, this is not good. I've been betrayed. I'll, I'll divorce her. It's all in the Jewish family legal system and, and how this was to play out. And then, and then the angel, the Lord sends the angel and comes to Joseph and says, no, this is of me. This is important. And what does Joseph do? He changes what he considered important to what God says is important. Look at the Magi. God changes their glasses and says, oh, this, see the star? Follow this because the Messiah, the king of the Jews, is going to be born. So what do they do? They change their calendar because now they have different glasses. They change their calendar. They change their, their, their plans. They change their priorities. They change their treasures. And they go look for this, this new king of the Jews. They get to Jerusalem. What happens in Jerusalem? They get among the priests, the chief priests of the people. They say, hey, where is this supposed to happen? They look it all up and say in Bethlehem. And what's interesting is the Magi changed what was important to them. And yet the chief priests did not. They knew, oh, this is most important. They didn't change anything. Herod hears about it. Herod changes. He's going to do some rough stuff in Bethlehem. And then, and then the angel comes to, to Joseph and says, now, Joseph, Herod's coming after Jesus. Move your family and protect them. Protect them. Get in the right lane. Don't do a Dukes of Hazard. Don't crash and burn. You're here to protect the family. See, all the time in God's word, he's given us wisdom. And his word never fails. And he's given us wisdom to raise family. Our hope is in his wisdom. Do life by God's design. This is how you raise spiritually grounded, emotionally stable, relationally solid, career-capable kids into adults. How? Let me just put it on the screen. This, this, whatever is important to God, make it important for you and your family. Snap a picture, write it down. Go think about this. I'm not telling you I got all the answers, Marsh, and I figured everything out. We're kind of mostly done with family in that sense, and we got one more left in college. But, but this was formative. It transformed. It put new glasses. It shaped perspective, and our hope for family wasn't in us just doing our best effort. It was adjusting our family to the wisdom of God. What does God say is most important? And orient your family to it, because his wisdom is where you have all your hope. Or look at this from Scripture. This is how it stacks up. Happy is the one who finds wisdom. You could just say, happy is the family who finds wisdom. Who gets wisdom? He who gets wisdom loves himself. But the wisdom that comes from heaven is, first of all, pure, peace-loving, considerate, submissive, full of mercy and good fruit, impartial and sincere. To get wisdom is better than gold. So that's the setup. Now it's workshop time. Take a deep breath. This workshop, it's what, everybody? Workshop. Couldn't hear you. It's what? Workshop. Don't usually do this. But based on my conversation with Jason, it seemed to me that it would be helpful for us to do more of a workshop. So I'm going to cram about a three-hour workshop into the next 20-some minutes. And I want to walk through, because most people have never been taught how you build family. 
Never been thought through. Oh, how do you take what's most important and what's most important to God and what God sets in front of us and those become values? And how do you put those values into rituals? And that is the art of it. It's, it, it's no more complicated than that. Pick what's important and put rituals to values. So let's do a little bit of a workshoppy conversation. How do you do this practically? And I'm going to hit some things. I'm going to hit what's broke, what's wise, what's smart, and what's good news. And we're just going to kind of clock through it. Keep up if you can. Let's see if this can help us think through how do you take what's important, pick what's important in the midst of busy world. And I want to hit first, just brief, just highlight what's broke. And I think what's most broke, I put it up here on the screen for you because I want you to move with me. We choose what's important like a lotto. Do you know what I mean when I say that? Like we, we can end up, we live in such a busy world and there's so much happening that I even put this lotto kind of, I grab this picture, I'll just let it run behind me. You know how the lotto works, the balls, the ping pong balls like are all popping up inside and you feel like your life is that busy and you have priorities and what's important competing and colliding, and, and it's running around you, and your texts, and your emails, and your social media, and conversations, and demands in your life, and how to get places, and manage calendar, and get stuff done, all the demands that come from work, and family, and finance, all the collision of the priorities of, of kids' school, and education, and, and, and their sports, and how do you navigate all this, and sometimes the way we pick it is like a lottery, whatever pops up, and all of a sudden, whatever pops up becomes the important thing, and now we're putting all our attention on what like a lotto pops up rather than us picking the priority it's almost like a lottery as if the world gets to pick what's important the next text the next email the next interruption and pretty soon you're chasing the things that are urgent instead of living by what's most important and there's an art in this and sometimes we think oh Families are like lottos. Some families win and they make it in the right lane and other families do because of hazard kind of crash and, 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 and it's just a lottery. It's just who gets lucky and what if it's not? You see, growing... Growing up, we were called underprivileged. I mean, that was a tag that was put on us because I ended up a single mom in my middle school, high school kind of years. And that way, divorced families weren't as popular, weren't as plentiful back then. And we were in government-subsidized housing and the like. And, and we were called underprivileged. And I look back and I understand what they meant. But we were actually misprioritized. We just misprioritized life. Our family did not know how to take the wisdom of God and establish priorities and values and then live life and make decisions based on those, build rituals according to the values. So I think maybe what's broke is this lotto view. What's wise? I want to take us into a conversation. Big rocks, most important, before pebbles and sand. Probably tons of you have seen this before. I'm not the author of this idea. This just helped Marsha and I. So this is more workshopping. How to be helpful. Let's think it through. How to be most helpful. I think it was Stephen Covey who created this or was the first one to do this. And if this is familiar to you, then stay with it. You'll see how it applies and maybe you can do it already. If it's not and nobody's ever told you how to build family out of priorities, then this might be a setup that helps you walk in it and walk through it. So life is full of 
demands, like the lotto, and they're all popping up, and they're all coming at you all at the same time, and they're colliding, they're complex. But the truth of the matter is, there are things that are most important. They're like the big rocks. And there are things that are kind of are lesser important, but they're important. And it's kind of like the, the pebbles, if you will, or the, or the gravel. And there are things that are lesser important, more like the sand. And, and those come and collide and, and, and fill your life and create demands. And, and the phone has certainly added to that. And so is the complexities of opportunities for kids and our families. And all he did was, was just create a picture. He said, if you take the lesser things, if you take all the things that like the lotto are, are like sand, and that fills your life, and so you just live your life by all of these busy things, lesser things, and you get distracted from the big rocks, and this fills your life, and then you live by the same path, and you let all of these kind of like, oh, pebble-sized things fill your life, and your day, and your week, and your month, and everything gets filled by these, and what happens is you discover, as he described, that by the time you get to this, you try and level out and put a lid on everything in your life, and then it comes to the big rocks, the what, everybody? Big rocks. And you're like, oh, I got these really important things. I got to get them in my life. And all of a sudden, well, you're just trying to cram them in. And so trying to get things of your faith right and then trying to get family right and trying to build marriage and trying to get your financial priorities and, and nothing fits. It's just a visual. Just trying to say that in the complexity of life, you've got to decide how are you going to set and decide what's most important? Because what's most important gets your attention. Listen, you are making decisions of finance, of pressure and career, of how you form your children, of what time and energy you give them and where you put it, what priorities. How do you actually form what you value in the life of your kids? And if God gives us six rocks, which is just illustrative, call it 10, call it three, I don't care, just illustrative. When Covey did this, he said, there's just another way to look at it. A completely different way to do life. He's not the author of this idea, or he is of the illustration, but Jesus is the author. He said, seek first the kingdom of God. Seek first the what? Kingdom of God. So when Covey did this and illustrates it, and many people have said, seek first the kingdom of God. Figure out how the kingdom of God is the first priority in your life and build your life around it. Figure out how to take the body and the health that God's given you and, and manage that. Figure out how to, how to build marriage and put it in its proper priority. What, 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 what does it take to build marriage? And what are the costs and the priorities? Okay, that goes at the top. And build family. So family gets a big rock. Family is a big rock. And all the things that go around that, but family and then, then career. Now, how do you build career? It's a big rock. And so that gets its next priority. And it goes in the bucket first. Money, finance. How do you put all, figure out what does God teach you are the big rocks? This, this, this can be so simple and the difference is so profound. God absolutely transformed marriage, family, life for Marsha and I when we figured out that the world can't be picking your priorities. And you don't just pick the rocks. 
God picks the rocks. And God gives definition. And those are the first thing. This is actually not only how you build family, how you build a life. Then we all have the complexity of things coming at us. And those things are kind of like all of these pebbles that fill in. And that's difficult. And they, they just jam everything up. And we're like, oh, I'm trying to get that to work. And then the little stuff just comes along. And I, I have a view of this that I'm just going to get to say my opinion. That sand, the, the, just the, it, it, it's important stuff, but you know what happens. And I'm going to stop right here. I was talking to Jason and all this, and I said, you know, I think there's just a fundamental flaw in the illustration. And I never said it before. It didn't matter that whatever. I've used this illustration a couple times. You've seen it in business and the like. Here's where I think the flaw is. I think the flaw is that when they do the second one and when Stephen Covey and everybody else put the big rocks in and then put the, the pebbles in and shake it so that it all fills in and then put the sand and use the right sand so it all sifts and fills in and then they show that it all fits perfectly. I, I just think that's the fundamental flaw. Stay with me. I don't think it fits either way. I think you have one of two choices. You either choose to lose in the big stuff or you choose to lose in the little stuff. At the end of every day, there is always this stuff just falling off. It never, you can't fit everything in. You're just never going to. So you got to figure out, they say, you choose to lose the big stuff or choose to lose the little stuff. But you're going to lose. This destroys your life and puts you on a wrecker and crashing the car and the family. Things don't crash by accident as a rule. Oh, it's an accident. But somebody had to be distracted from the most important things. Or you're over here and you cannot keep up with social media, all the texts, all the emails, all the current events, all the parties, all the places you have FOMO, I don't want to miss out. Well, you're going to. <laughs> My kid gets to do everything. No, they don't. No, they don't. There are big rocks that are the foundation of building your family and your children. And you either say no to the big stuff or no to the little stuff. But you're going to lose somewhere. Amen. So choose where you lose because you got to choose where you're going to win. And I think this is so complex that I'm going to give you examples of how Marsha and I have navigated this. And again, I'm putting three hours and 20 minutes. We would say our six big rocks are these kingdom, body, marriage, family, work, finances. I'm simplifying stuff, but let me do it fast. Kingdom. Kingdom, he is our creator. We didn't just get here. We're not here by accident. We are a soul created in the image of God. And therefore, we are God's. Meaning, we are God's creation. We are owned by him. 
The only way to understand life is from God. So no word of God ever fails. So the only way to have hope for the future in your own life as a single person, as a married person, or for your family, or for your career, or for your finances, or for your attorney, is to first put the kingdom of God at the very top. It's the biggest rock. It's the first rock. It's the rock that goes in. And by the way, just pause. This is, I don't have any time. This stuff just runs through my head. Like, do you realize that the, one of the first things God did in Genesis was set your calendar? One in seven days is the Sabbath. It's his. Your calendar has been set forever. Do not renegotiate the calendar God set. Cease striving and know that I am God. And listen, when you can't get it right, you will start taking the kingdom of God and it ends up on top. And of course, you have no time for worship and no time for the kingdom and no capacity and no resource because if it's the last thing, it will never fit. I want to get preachy, but this was formative in us. It was like, oh my goodness, we have to kingdom first. This is where we find our identity. This is where we find our worth. This is where we are defined. Then our body, our body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. We are a spirit being wrapped in a physical body. And therefore, this body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. Therefore, it is not my own. So how I handle this body is important. How I eat smart, live smart, sleep smart. You get all this health, sexuality, how I manage it, my sexual practices. This is all God. This is God's body. This is, this is my body. I do with it whatever I want. No, this is God's body. You do with it whatever he wants. Now you have hope for the future because it's based on God's values. Then marriage. Marriage is oneness. And God created a male and female, and he built this beautiful thing called oneness in marriage. So my marriage, listen, in priority, my marriage is ahead of my family. I'm going to say it weird. I don't love my kids more than I love my wife. If there's such a thing, I love my wife more than my kids. She precedes them. They follow her. They're eventually going to leave. She's going to be with me. You guys are awesome kids, but you're going to leave. I got a priority, and it's a biblical oneness, and it's whole instruction all on its own, and how we love each other, care for each other, protect each other, sacrifice for each other, give more than we take. There's all sorts of biblical values built, and then family, and family has this beautiful parenting thing where now God entrusts to me to build children, and by the way, God's plan for building human beings is family. This is the center of it. It's top of the priority. This is worthy of your effort and your energy, so build it by God's design, and it's built from marriage. And then family could almost have its own six rocks underneath it. And next on our list is work. Now, work is important, but it's because God created us to work. Listen, work is not a curse. Work was created and handed to us before the curse. The curse is the ground, which means we're going to sweat. We're going to struggle. It's going to be difficult. But know this, work matters. You work as under the Lord. But work is fifth, not first. So when we understand scripture, we're like, oh, this is an important priority because I make decisions for family that precede work, even though I need to work. And that's complex. So I got to figure out how do the rocks fit in and finances providing. I got to provide for my kids. But if providing for my kids was only financial, this would be easy. I got to provide for them spiritually. I got to raise spiritually grounded kids, emotionally stable, because I'm sending them out into an unstable world. And when you have instability at home and instability in the culture, that kid is going to have mental health issues. We're not supposed to solve the stability in the world because we never can. We are supposed to create stability in our home. 
so that you create stability in their home and you send them out in an unstable world, but they're stable from the inside out. This is complex, but this is simply God's design. I know saying the words is easy. So providing is more than money. All right, I'm taking to him aside. So there's like six rocks under each. So I could say these are the top six rocks, but then there are six rocks underneath, underneath each one. So I could illustrate. So family, if, if Marsha and I gave you, like Marsha and I have a grid. We have our six under kingdom, six under body, six under marriage, six under family, six under work, and six under finance. You're like, are you guys that weird? Yes, we are. Because we didn't know how to build family. And we're going in God's word and saying, how do you build family? How do you build a life? What's the order of priority? How do you know what to say yes and no to? How do you stay focused on the most important? This is illustrative of what we give priority to. Love and obey Jesus. Family love is time. In other words, you can't build love without investing time. It's going to cost you. Tell the truth and keep your word. Pay them play. Get past yourself. Gumption to grow. When we pour into our kids, we say these are our family priorities. Now notice something. I want you to see this. Look, the progression moves from left to right, meaning they build on each other and then they surrender backwards, which means this. Again, this is very seminary. Family surrenders to marriage. We have a date night. We don't care how the kids feel about it. Bye-bye. We love you, and we don't care. You disrespect your mom, the wrath of dad will fall on you. You know, I sometimes wonder if part of what's broken the culture is people love their kids more than their spouse and wonder what's wrong. Because I got a sense from the Lord early on that the best thing I can do in loving my kids is to love their mom. Because kids are not wired to choose between the two people they must love the most. And it unravels them and destabilizes them. And I know these are not politically correct conversations, and I'm not intending to be condemning. I grew up in this. And I don't know why we aren't having the full conversation, and I'm trying to cram it in short periods of time. I get it. But we should be thoughtful about one of the most important things in life, and that is building family and raising kids. And yes, God heals, but God leads. And by the way, if you're single, listen, this is awesome. Because if you're single, put that list back up there for me. Sorry, guys. Uh, we'll go back. If you're single, I'm just running. They're just like, where is he? He's right here. <laughs> listen, if you're single, you get to remove number three and four. No marriage, no family. You get to go from kingdom body to work and finances. I'm so jealous. <laughs> and listen, the more kids you have, the more sucked into the end of that list you are. Hey, 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 say, hey listen. So when Marsha got pregnant and we had our fourth at 42, I had already had a dream for what my career was going to be. I'd already bought a cool car literally that year before she was pregnant. While she was, I didn't even know she was pregnant. I bought a cool car. Like, I'm going to have a life now. My youngest is nine. Go. I love you. Go. I was writing a book, and I had a schedule of speaking outside of 12 Stone in the U.S. in many locations. I was going to build my future. 
And when she got pregnant, part of what messed me up is I know what it costs to raise a kid. And I had to shut everything down. Because God said, hey, this kid's important. And as soon as you have priorities and you know that family is ahead of work, well, then I sacrifice work for family. And family is ahead of finances. So I sold the car immediately. I sat with John Maxwell. I cried like a baby. (laughs) And he said, have a funeral and get a new dream because God has something else for you. But keep living life by God's priorities. I didn't do everything right, but I do not have regrets. Because what God says he will do, and if you follow him, this is what he can most bless. I need to shut up. I need to move on. What's smart? Values need rituals, and rituals build values. If you don't know the art of this, then listen. And this is, this is one of the most transformative things. We can talk the big six rocks. That's important. But as soon as you get them, values need rituals, and rituals build values. By the way, in Scripture, you immediately see the ritual. If you didn't follow the Christmas story, here's what happens. It goes from Mary and Joseph picking what's important Surrendering to God's plan with Jesus building a family. Do you know on day eight what happened? A ritual. Day eight of Jesus' life on earth. Day eight. Circumcision. That's a whole nother conversation that's not easily understood. But it's tied to the Old Testament and the law. And listen, it was a ritual. Listen, a ritual attached to a value. The value is we're under covenant of God. Kingdom is our first priority. This is not just family. This is family under God. On the 40th day. They did a ritual. He was taken to the temple and dedicated to the Lord as the firstborn. Why? This was a ritual. If you pay attention to the story, all the clues and cues for how you build family are sitting inside the Christmas story. Pick what's important. And once you know what's important, which creates your values, now build rituals that are from the values and build back to the values. Put rituals in your life. F1 has rituals. Everybody who wins gets on the podium. Top three. It's a ritual. When I say, for God is good and all the time but we're not done. See, your head says, oh, we're done. We get to leave. I'm not done. You stay in it. It's just a ritual. Fist bump your neighbor right now. Everybody fist bump your neighbor. What is that? That's a ritual. Like something went good. Boom. Now fist bump and do the explosion. That means it went really good. Okay. We have rituals everywhere in life. Jesus established a ritual when he was 33 at the Lord's Supper. He said, this is my body. Take bread. This is my blood. Take the juice. What does it represent? There is a value, and the value is I sacrificed my life for you. Now the ritual is go engage the Lord's Supper because it comes from a value and it builds the value. Do that in family. And by do that in family, you're like, is he done yet? No. Should he be done? Sure. I have have a list. I did it this week with my family. Uh, I have a list of 75 rituals that our family ended up building over time. Like bedtime stuff, tickling the sillies out of the kids. It was a ritual because they don't want to go to bed. I know they're all. And I said, you know what? I think you got sillies. I got to tickle them out of you, which made it worse, which is fantastic. <laughs> Silly songs with dad. I wrote songs and I sang them to him. They have a they have a song they've listened to their whole life. It's a dumb song. For all. <laughs> Thank you. 
of all the boys, this is to the three boys, Julissa, it just, you get it. It's, of all the boys in the whole wide world, but I wouldn't say it that way. It'd be in the whole wide world. <laughs> the bestest boys are daddy's boys. Of all the boys in the whole wide world. I feel like I'm taking something sacred and going public. <laughs> the bestest boys are daddy's boys. Because daddy loves his big boy, Jake. Jake. Daddy loves his biggest boy. Jake, Jake's daddy's precious boy. His special, wonderful boy. Daddy loves his big boy, Jake. So very... And I wouldn't say very, I'd say Barry, because I'm being silly and my voice is weird. So Barry. And I would say so Barry 10 times until they finally said, much. And then I tickle them. Do you see the theology in the song? See, the world is going to tell my kids to get their value somewhere other than the God who created them and the dad who loves them. Get them stable at home in an unstable world. And I sang it to them 10,000 times. I just got rituals. Got to shut up. All the way through their life, and our family collected them this week just to have fun. Parents build rituals from values and use rituals to build values. I got to stop. Okay. What's the good news? Just end with this. What's the good news? There are two things that are true about God. God heals and God leads. By the way, if you're listening in on this and you're 50, 55 plus, let me just pause right here. You might be done with family, but you're not done building what God created you to build. Or priorities are how you pour into grandkids. On January the 7th, we're going to have a New Year's party. And that New Year's party... We're going to have conversations about how does it look different? Same values, different rituals. If you want to know how to live well and finish strong, text finish well to 37748. I mean, there's like the first 900,000, then we got several hundred already signed up, but I just, you know about it. But let me go back. What is the good news? The good news is God heals. God what? Heals. So you got, listen, this is so good. You may have blown it like my family. You may not do any of this perfectly. You might just be waking up. Here's good news. God heals, and he can take things that were not the best and make them good. I had a conversation yesterday with a gal named Diane in the church who came here just over a year ago, and they were filling out divorce papers, and God has transformed them, and she's telling me yesterday about the goodness of God. Yay, God. God heals. God does great things, and God leads. If you're in the middle of the weight of building family, you're not on your own. You're not alone. you got a church family. Stay in. Figure this out. God leads, and his word never returns void. Amen? Amen. For God is good, and all the time. I'm going to turn it to campus pastors, and let's have a moment of prayer that God might literally guide us, heal us where we need, give us leadership where we need. 
Thank you again for spending time with us today. A special thanks to those of you who generously give through 12 Stone. It is because of you that this ministry is possible. And if you want to learn more about 12 Stone, make sure you follow us on social at 12 Stone Church and check out a location or a watch party near you. And if you enjoyed the podcast, you could subscribe, share it with your friends, hit the share button, or even take a screenshot and throw it in your social stories. And make sure to tag 12 Stone Church. Let it be a blessing to somebody else. Thank you again, and we'll catch you on the next one.